Gary, would you pray for the missionaries for TFF and our time in the Word today? such a time as this, Lord. I pray for financial provision for each and every one of them, Lord. I pray that they would not be in lack. I pray that through the ministry that you called them to, that there would be a great harvest of souls, Lord. I pray that you would encourage them on their hard days, Father, and that they would always exude the joy of the Lord. Thank you, Father, for this fellowship. I pray, God, that even as the days grow more dark and weary, God, Father, that we would never compromise the gospel. Father, I pray that many would come to know you, Father. Father, that chains would be broken, that lives would be restored, that you would add to our numbers those who are being saved, Father. I pray, Father, in the name of Jesus, that you would strengthen Rob as he brings this message today, God. Father, as you have called him for such a time as this, I pray, God, that you would touch him, Father, that you would strengthen him, and that you would, Father, go before us as we would impact the lives of others around us, Father. I thank you for this home. I pray for all that who are within it, God, that you would protect them, that you would strengthen them by the power of your name, Father. This home would never be in lack. In Jesus' name, amen.
Thank you, Lord Jesus. God, that you, Lord, give us that hunger and that thirst for righteousness, Father. It's nothing that we can conjure up ourselves, Lord Jesus. It's what you have begun in us. Your word says that you first loved us. Father, we thank you for that truth. We thank you, Father, that your word encourages us to draw close to you, Father. 
The word says, if we draw close to you, in return, you will draw close to us, Father. We thank you, Father, that your love endures forever. That is your will that none shall perish, but that all would come to the saving knowledge of you, Lord. Father, we thank you for this truth. We thank you for the Holy Spirit whom you've given us to be our counselor, our teacher, our comforter, our guide, to empower us to live this life, this new life, in which we have been born again of the Spirit. Your Word encourages, Lord, that we are to walk habitually in the Spirit so that we would not gratify the desires of the flesh. We, we thank You that You are a victorious King. You are the resurrected Son of God. You are the only way to be reconciled to the Father. We thank You, God, that You were Please to reveal yourself to us through your Son, Jesus, that we might be at peace with you. So, Lord, I pray that we would be attentive today as we are reading your Holy Scripture. I pray, God, that the soil of our hearts would be good soil to receive it, that it would take root and that the fruit would be produced in our lives lasting fruit. Pray, God, that our roots will grow down deep into Christ. Father, that you would begin to prepare us and equip us for the days that are ahead. God, that we would remain in Christ, that we would burn for Christ, that we would, Father, go forth and be the light, be in your hands and your feet among a crooked and perverse and wicked generation. But Father, we ask that your will would be done and that your name would be glorified and that ultimately, Father, we would be ready to receive you. And we thank you for this hope that we have of the return of our Savior, Jesus. And it's in Jesus' name, amen. Good morning. Community, two definitions I've been holding up. And we'll continue to throughout the rest of this year. And I think, if I'm not mistaken, it's like 31 weeks left of this year. Isn't that crazy? It's almost over. But definition number one, a group of people living in the same place are having a particular characteristic in common. The second definition, a feeling of fellowship with others as a result of sharing common attitudes, interests, and Goals, community. Christ is the center of the Christian community. The Christian community is built on Christ. Jesus himself says, I will build my church. He is the Son of God, the risen Son of God. He is the resurrected King of kings and Lord of lords. He is victorious. He is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. We are brought together because of Him to do the will of the Father because we are born again. Born again. Nicodemus came to Jesus and questioned Jesus how he may inherit the kingdom of God. And Jesus told him, you must be born again. And Nicodemus did not understand because how then 
could I be born again from my mother? And Jesus was like, no, you must be born of the Spirit. It's a whole new way of living. (laughs) You see, before Christ, we are enslaved. We are the children of the devil. (laughs) We are blinded. We are in complete rebellion towards God. And I keep saying we are the created as we understand as Scripture informs us and He is the Creator. But because of the fall, human nature now is in rebellion towards God. We are born, all of us are born into sin. The created is at war with its Creator. But God, the Creator, so loved His creation that He made a way. Again, the fall of Adam and Eve did not take God by surprise. I can't keep saying that enough. Like, I truly hope that we grasp the understanding. How God loves us. (laughs) The love of God. The Bible says that God is love. And from the beginning, even before the words were spoken and the world was created, the cross was already purposed. The assignment to reconcile the rebellious creation had already been established. Jesus knew his purpose. Jesus didn't come just to to create an institution of people who were wishy-washy, in and out one day, in with the one, out the next. You know, I was thinking as I was just meditating throughout this week. You know, there's a lot of people. And when I say a lot, we're talking a lot. <laughs> a lot of people throughout the earth who, who think that they're saved. That they're in Christ. That somehow they've got their foot in. And as I was sitting there throughout this week, I said, God, <laughs> man, <laughs> I know. Because of your word, they're not right. But oh, Lord Jesus, do they really think that they're in when there's no obedience, there's no love, there's no transformation? All it is is empty words and empty promises. All it is is a form of religion that caters to their rebellious nature to uh, make them feel okay. And we've seen that. That's the most craziest thing. As I've been in the scriptures throughout this week, and I've been praying, I've been thinking, I mean, you can start in Genesis, and you can work your way through, and you see the created attempting to love its creator on their terms. And it has never satisfied them. In fact, they just keep growing more and more rebellious. And he tells them, your words are empty. He he warns them, like, I'm telling you all. Like, if you would just turn to me, if you would just allow me to lead you, allow me to to be the Lord over your life. Allow me to be your God. 
then things would go well for you. But if you continue to seek your ways, if you continue to go about your will and your desire and your nature, then you're going to have to experience my wrath. Because you're only going to raise your fist up to me for so long. And this is whom we, if you're a believer, whom we are now in, because the Bible says we're in Christ, we have been engrafted into the kingdom of God, we have been adopted, we are now children of God, we're not meant any longer for His wrath, we, we are now embraced in His Love and, and so as a community, we come worshiping, we come expecting, we come with this hope and then with the knowledge that Jesus is with us. And so we come understanding, but yet there's a people out there, there's still a rebellion out there towards our God, and yet we are called to go forth out there and to love them, to serve them. To be his hands and his feet. If you think about the wrath of God, and you think how the enemy has blinded the uh, the eyes, and he and he is enslaved those out there. Then what are we as a community doing? To stand up for righteousness, for truth. Uh, to share the good news of the gospel. To warn others of the coming wrath of God. And to tell them how much He loves them because He's made a way out. Not by might, not by power, by the Spirit of God giving us the hope that we need to get up each day and to endure. That your eyes have been open. That you're thinking new thoughts. <laughs> that you're not allowing your circumstances to lord over you. But that you are enduring through your circumstances as God is calling you through them. <laughs> he is seeing you through them. And you can praise Him. Rather, you're in the valley or in the mountaintop. He's still God. He's still God. And we're learning of Him now. And the more you learn of Him, the more that you're able to discern between good and evil. The more that you are able to be able to stand with the certainty that He is God and that He is holy and that He has set us apart for His purpose. And this is the hope that we have as the Christian community. That we come together, that Jesus is our reason, no other reason but Jesus. That we come to, to really encourage one another to keep our eyes focused and fixed upon Jesus because He is the author he is the, the, he's the one that is going to complete the work that He has begun in us. And so as we go to these Scriptures, Romans 1.
Romans 1, verse 11 through 12. to the church in Rome. For I long to visit you so I can bring you some spiritual gift that will help you grow strong in the Lord. And when we get together, I want to encourage you in your faith, but I also want to be encouraged by yours. And I love these scriptures, these two scriptures. This is Paul, who we were introduced to last week. His name is Saul. He's the Pharisee of Pharisees. He's a brilliant man. He he understands the Jewish law. He knows the ins and the outs. And yet before God transformed his life, he was murdering Christians. He was rounding them up. (laughs) He was there when Stephen was being stoned. Remember, they were laying their coats at Saul's feet. And as we talked about on Wednesday night, when we were introduced to Saul, we can't miss out without understanding the reason why they were laying the coats at his feet. Because he was part of Stephen's death. He was leading the revolt against the church. And ultimately we know he goes on from there, from house to house, rounding up Christians. And now we see him transformed by the power of God. And now God is using him to write these letters to the church as God is sending him all throughout the earth to declare the gospel, to declare about Jesus, the one whom he hated, but now is serving because he's been born again. And he tells the church in Rome, I long to visit you so I can bring you some spiritual gift that will help you grow strong in the Lord. And when we get together, I want to encourage you in your faith, but I also want to be encouraged by yours. And that's how it should be within community. Is that you're not just looking to one person to encourage everyone, but all of us are part of this to encourage each other, to edify each other, to build each other up. We're not just to be living off other people's faith. No, we have, all of us have to be actively a part of this so that God's will is being done within our community, within the fellowship, within the community out there, going throughout our city, going throughout our state, going throughout our nation, and then going throughout the nation's. Because it's God's will, it's God's purpose. It's why we come together. We look forward to it. Oh, how I pray that you do. (laughs) That you long to be among the saints. Because we're all worn out when we go out there. Each and every single day. We're bombarded nonstop (laughs) with everything that is in rebellion towards our God. And so there's something about when the saints come together... That we are encouraged to keep enduring. 
to keep going. Don't give up. Don't give in. Don't go back. Don't look to the right or to the left. Don't be overwhelmed. Don't be anxious. But in everything, give thanks to God. You see, when you're born again, you receive the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit empowers you to live this life that He calls you. We can't live it in of ourselves. I've been reflecting, and Norman and I was talking last, I think it was last Sunday night. It's going to be 25 years that I've been walking with the Lord. I'm far from perfect. But I can look back over these years and go, God, look how far you brought me. Because in and of myself, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have brought myself here. You can look back at what God has done in your life, no matter what the, the time frame has been. You should see God at work in you. You're being transformed. You're being renewed. You're being empowered. God has gifted you. The the Bible says that the Holy Spirit has, has gifted the church. Each and every single one of us. That's why we're not to be jealous over each other. Of Oh, look at their gift, his gift, her gift. Oh, I wish I was this way. Oh, the, No, no, just be content with how the Holy Spirit has gifted you. Because we're all gifted differently, but collectively our gifts work together to reveal Christ. That's what the Bible says. And so we're all a part of this. And I've, and I've encouraged you over the years. That's why I challenge you all. I challenge myself. Remain healthy. We need all of us fully functioning to accomplish what God has called us to. Again, Jesus didn't endure all that he did. All of this here is true. It's not just a story that's been made up. This is the living word of God. And do we really think that all he came to do was to create an institution for the rebellious creation to run amok in? No. To lack obedience, to lack discipline? Like what kind of craziness is that? See, before I came to Christ, I saw Christ and his followers to be weak. They had no power. You talked about a God. I heard about a God. But I saw no display of him. And then all they wanted to tell me is how much he hated me. (laughs) Well, who needs your God? Because look, what is he doing in your life? What power is there? Oh no, church. We are the church of the living God. We already have the victory. We're not praying from a place of defeat. Oh no, when you know that you know that you know who your God is, you are transformed and you're not allowing the enemy, the world, or your flesh to get the upper hand. Because you're already learning how to abide in Christ, to remain in Christ, to depend on Christ. I say, Father, you said apart from you, I could do nothing. So Lord, keep me in you. <laughs> Remind me each day who you are and my identity in you. Because as soon as we take our eyes off of him, all we go back to is who we were. That rebellious nature. And I'm going to keep saying that over and over because I really hope you understand. You can't call yourself a child of God and still walk 
habitually in rebellion towards him. You're not going to find that anywhere in Scripture. We can't make a mockery of what he's done for us. I keep saying it. We can't trample on his blood and make it common and just splash it up on each other as if there's no power in it. No, God has set a standard in its holiness. Man hasn't set that. That's God's standard. And we can't just get to a place in our lives where we're like, oh, I can live however, however I want and God still loves me. Yes, God still loves you because nothing can separate you from the love of God. But do not twist truth to satisfy your rebellion, to be deceived into thinking that you belong to Him when in reality you don't. See, that's why we have to wake up. And that's why all through the New Testament, if you read it, you see that the letters to the churches, it's saying basically the same thing to them. Grow up, mature, remember who Christ is, remember who you are in Him. And that's why Paul was saying, I long to come to be among you, to encourage you, but also to be encouraged by you. Go to John 15. Twelve verses 12 through 13, Jesus' words. Jesus' words. This is my commandment. Love each other in the same way I have loved you. There's no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. Jesus' words. Love as I've loved. There's no greater love than to lay down your life for your friend. That's why the Christian life It's not about you any longer. You've died to yourself. You've died to your rebellion towards God. You are a new creation. You're at peace with God. And this is how you're learning to live. At peace with God. Because God is love. You don't have to be afraid of death or dying. Because now you're at peace with your Creator. You know the end of the story. You know for eternity you're with God. You're secured in the Father's hands. But those who are in rebellion towards Him, oh no, they have no security. Because everything they've built their life on is temporal. And all of that is going to collapse one day. And that's why there's work for us to do, you all. That's why you're still here. That's why the church is still on this earth. Is to do the Father's business. To go forth and to tell others about Jesus. But not just that it be just lip service. But let them see God's power at work in you. This transformed life that you couldn't do yourself. So that's why all the credit goes to God. That's why you know that you know that you know. Even when you mess up, you get up 
You don't stay down. You get up. But you don't let sin be what's dominating you. Because the power of sin has been broken, Romans 6 says. Come on, we got to live for Christ. We got to know Christ. And we ultimately know that as Christians, that we're to think of others first before we think of ourselves. We're to think of others first before we think of ourselves. Could you imagine if all of us put that into practice this week? And stop demanding our rights. I mean, we've said it before. I mean, you don't have to teach an infant to be selfish. That nature just comes out. You don't have to go forth and and, and, and try to do good and work so hard and work so hard and work so hard and work so hard in and of yourself to try to, to deal with that rebellion nature. No, no, you can never conquer it. You will exhaust yourself. Well, give your life to Christ. Come in, 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 in a saving knowledge and a belief and in a confession that He is the Son of God and that He rose from the dead. Oh, your life will change. Because ultimately you see that the Creator is now in charge. And you can take comfort. I sure hope you're finding comfort. If you're, if you're saying you're a Christian, I sure hope that you know what it means. And that you actually are truly finding the comfort that is in the knowledge that you have now that you are in Christ. Not because of anything of yourself, but all because of Him. Because of His great love towards us. And so you're living your life differently. That's why you should be out there engaging with people. Again, you're here for such a time as this. I, I keep saying to y'all, I can't make this up. What's going on on the earth? But as Christians, we don't, we're not in despair. We're not perplexed. We're, we're not overwhelmed. No, we just recognize, oh God, all of this is true. Like Jesus, you're returning. This is a great hope. This is a great joy. But why is it in church when you talk about revelation, you talk about prophecy, you talk about the days that we're in, the church collapsed with this weight of of anxiety and depression and, oh, I don't want to talk about that. That's not how the church is to respond. No. The church is excited. Because Jesus is returning. And there's, he should find us full of faith, getting up each day, having a good talk to yourself as the Holy Spirit is leading you, preparing you. Because remember what in Genesis it says, sin crouches at your door and its desire is to master you. This is in book one. But how does it finish? but you must master it. Come on, there's work to be done. Your Christian life just can't be this weird, okay, I'm a Christian, poof, I'm a Christian, poof, we're all Christians. See, the deceiver is exactly what he is. He's a deceiver. 
And the spirit of deception is rising up on the earth. And from when that rises up, just look at scripture. Perversion comes right up with it. Rebellion comes right up with it. Strife, murder, the occult, all of that rises up. Setting the stage for the Antichrist. And when he steps out, he's going to deceive the entire earth. I mean, that's ridiculous. And as believers, we have the hope that we're going to be raptured up out of here. But while we're here, we better start getting out there, being about the Father's business, preaching the gospel, baptizing people, and teaching them, discipling them to obey all of His commandments. And it takes all of us collectively as a community to come together, like we heard last week, iron sharpening iron, learning to really what it means to love one another, to think of others before we think of ourselves, to put our lives last, and to live like Jesus. And this generation, when there's an all-out level of persecution on the rise all throughout the earth, It's not just over in the east anymore. No, no, it's in the western hemisphere now. And it's only going to keep increasing. And we're just playing church. How can that be? And I've said over the years, we're doing it wrong. We have not been discipling people. We haven't been. We haven't prepared the church for what's coming. Not to be afraid of what's coming, but to be ready for it. To be able to stand fully clothed in the armor of God and advancing each day forward. Advancing each day forward with truth. Engaging with Christ and the Holy Spirit. Having, like I said earlier, having that conversation before your foot comes out of that bed. Lord, I'm yours. And I'm not sure what I'm going to face today, but you already know. So help me not to be taken by surprise, but help me to stand. And the assurance that you are God and I'm not. So let me go forth this day, God, and do your will. Help me to be a blessing to others. Help me to stand and rebuke the enemy in Jesus' name. Help me to take ground today, Lord, so that your kingdom would advance and the knowledge of Christ will go forth. I mean, that's how we're to be living. And if that's not common in your life, not because, oh, that's what the pastor says you have to do. No, no, because the scriptures shouldn't be burdensome to you. Scriptures are not to offend the believer because you're called to defend it. So if Scripture's a burden or if Scriptures offend you, then I would say you're not a believer. 
Because you're not going to find that anywhere. Because you're to love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind, with all of your body, with all of your strength. It's not a burden. No, your old life was the one that was burdensome. (laughs) Your new life, there's no burden. Because his yoke is what? Easy. And his burden is light. Oh, you better know truth. And as the church is under assault by the kingdom of darkness, and you see all of this crazy stuff going on in the churches today, and I use that word loosely, because they're not churches. I don't care how big their building is and what pretty stained glass they have in it. I don't care how large the crowd is. Because you know what the Word of God says in the last days? People are going to fall away from the true faith and begin to follow doctrines of demons. Do you understand the level of deception and how powerful it is over those who are lost? Oh, the enemy has no power over the child of God. Darkness cannot extinguish light. So you can get up each day not afraid but be on purpose. You can walk with the assurance that everywhere my feet tread, that ground is given unto me for the glory of God. And I will walk by faith and not by sight. Come at me as you may, but I'll still stand. Take my life, but you cannot take my soul and my destiny which is in Christ. And you can walk upright. I mean, I read this week about a church down in Naples. And this is just one out of all the craziness that's going on in churches in our nation. Much less all the other crazy stuff going on throughout the earth. But do you know what their new draw is to drag in the youth? The ages from 12 to 18, a drag show, a drag show. I said, what? This is what you're calling for? And listen. I keep telling you, we don't hate other communities. I do not hate the LGBTQ community. I was once part of it. But when I think that that's who they're targeting, to bring them in, to dress them up, and have them perform, and somehow, this is the gospel. You go, oh God. These are desperate times. These are desperate times. I mean, when you see what's running amok, the level of division and strife that's within these institutions that call themselves the church, and this new term of being woke and CRT and all this other stuff, this deconstruction of the, the Christian faith. I don't know if y'all are out there following what's happening in churches and the lingo that's being taught from, from the pulpits and from mainline worship leaders and pastors. 
They're teaching doctrines of demons. And they're lulling people to sleep, giving them the right to be in their rebellion and saying, God's okay with it. God's okay with it. Oh, we'll just stamp the approval of God on it. Just go about your business. Enjoy your life. Do you remember Psalm 50, what we read last week? God says, you treat my words like trash. And you think I'm okay with it because I was silent. This is the word of God. (laughs) But God says, (laughs) but I'm coming. And I'm going to tear you apart with my hand. And then he always gives that hope. But those who would do what is right, those who love me and honor me, you don't have to worry. And that's why we can't take being a community lightly. You know, we got to come in each time that we can get together, sharpen our sword, equip our beings so that we are out there each and every single day. Each and every single day. I keep telling you. Sooner or later, you're going to be called on your faith in your relationship with Christ. And you're going to have to give an answer, yes or no. You're either going to bow down to the devil, (laughs) the world system, who is at rebellion with his throne, or you're going to remain bowed down to Christ. I mean, you have to understand this. And you can say, oh, but that's an exaggeration. Oh, I wish it was. I wish it was. But it's not. It's not any longer. Every agenda out there in the world system is meant to push Christians out of it. And as Christians, we already know that we don't belong in it. Why are we here? To share the good news. To know that times may get rough, but our God is victorious. God is good and God is great and God is love, you all. This is our hope. This is our message. This is what we have to share with others. Repent. The message hasn't changed. I know churches and the masses, the majority of them, and again, those religious institutions, I use that term loosely. They don't talk about repentance. True, genuine repentance and what it means. It's the same message. John the, well, the Old Testament, and then leading up into the New Testament. John the Baptist, preparing the way. What was his message? Repent. Jesus shows up on the scene. John the Baptist baptizes him. What is Jesus' message? Repent. It hasn't changed. Look at all through the New Testament. What is the message? Repent. Turn from your rebellious ways. Turn to God. There is hope. There is hope because of Jesus. And I keep letting you know, 
just Jesus' name alone and his truth and his teachings, people hate. People hate because of the rebellion. Because of the rebellion. Go to Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 23 through 25. Let us hold tightly without wavering To the hope we affirm, for God can be trusted to keep his promise. Let us think of ways to motivate one another in acts of love and good works. And let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. It was written then for them, but it's so much for us today, and it would be for the days to come until his return. His return, you all, is why we're living. He's coming back. And he's coming back for a bride without spot and blemish. We are the work of his hands, and he is faithful to the work of his hands. He's faithful to complete what he's begun. It's, again, it's just not about showing up for church, doing religious duties. It's just not about slapping Jesus on your life and saying, okay, I'm a Christian. I remember the first couple years, when I, well, maybe the first year and a half that I was a Christian. I kept calling myself a Christian and I keep living however I wanted to live. And there were some good wonderful people that God brought into my life around that time. And they would look at me with all sincerity and say, Rob, just just think before you speak. <laughs> like we see that you have a zeal for Jesus. But do you really understand what it means to be a follower of Christ. Yeah, I understand, I understand. And this is before when I totally surrendered. This is this is this is when I was in a service. This is after I was in a service with my lover and his sister. <laughs> and I've shared this with you before. The minister gets on stage. She stumbles back. She puts her head down. Then she comes back and she says, I came prepared for a message tonight to give. There's thousands of people in that auditorium, in that church. I don't know why I was there. But God knew. And she began to speak from the platform. And I became angry inside because I'm like, who set me up? This woman is telling my business. 
And by the time she finished and said, come to the altar, I was a broken man. I stood up. My lover grabbed my arm and put me, pulled me down and said, where are you going? I said, I've got to go to Jesus. And I ran down to that altar, sobbing a mess. Like, oh God, I'm a sinner. God, I need you. And all that, those tapes up there, those are tapes up there. And my Amplified Bible, I bought that night. I've got to know Jesus. I've got to know Jesus. And let me tell you the war that was going on that first year of my life with all this other stuff being introduced to me about Jesus from spiritualist and this person and that person. And so it was in that time that I was like, oh, I love Jesus. I'm following Jesus. But yet I was still living how I wanted to live. And, and people who with sincere hearts would tell me, but Rob, do you really understand? And I told you, if you read my journal for that first year and a half, you would think this man is crazy. Because it was. It's like reading a schizophrenic writing. Up and down, left and right. I was so dark before I came to Christ. I was so involved with the occult. There was so much stuff I gave myself to. I did a ritual to give my soul to Satan in hopes that one of my lovers would be, would be safe from, from his family because of the abuse that he was enduring and that his uncles and those men would be brought down or die. And do you know four of them dropped dead the next day after that ritual? The way that I lived, who I was, and the darkness that I was giving myself over to. Now all of a sudden, I'm, I'm talking about this Jesus whom I hated the majority of my life. But yet they were very sincere in telling me, but Rob, do, do you really understand? And so the battle intensified within my very soul. That in my journal you begin to see, you begin to be, before I even knew what warfare was, true warfare, I understood what it meant. That's what I've always said to you. It, 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 I'm appalled that the occult understands more spiritual understandings than the church. We're the true spiritualists. We're the, we're the one born of the Spirit. We should be engaging and growing <laughs> But the battle was on. The enemy was not going to let me go easily. He's not going to let you go easily. And you can say, oh, but I wasn't as bad as you. No, but you're just as rebellious as I am. Or was. And you begin to see this inner tug of war that was going on between light and darkness, between good and evil. And I, and I begin to write, devil, you're not taking my joy. Devil, you're not taking this and taking that from me. <laughs> See, I thought it was the devil all along speaking truth to me when it was really the Holy Spirit. 
convicting me. On July 7th, 1997, 2.30 in the afternoon, I'm down on the ground in my room. God, what are you doing with me? I feel like I'm going crazy. And my lover outside the door. All along, I told you all, he kept telling me through this process, I can't fight this God. If it was a man or a woman, I will fight for you. But I can't fight this God in whom you are saying you've given yourself to. He's going to take you away. Because I don't even recognize you. Like you're, you're turning into this awesome man. I don't even recognize you anymore. And when I opened up the door, he said, you're leaving, right? I said, I don't know where I'm going or what my life will become. But I love him. I just want to serve him. And it's been hell. (laughs) But it's been so good. See, He doesn't call us to a life of ease. He doesn't call us to to this life that's just floating around on clouds and and we're just singing the hallelujah chorus all day long. No, He tells us. He gives us. Jesus gives us the understanding. You better consider the cost before you come to me. Do you know how many people left Jesus? Not everyone is following Jesus. Oh, they were enticed by him. They were like, oh yeah, this is fun. Look what he can do for us. But as soon as the reality hit of who he really was and what he was calling them to, oh no. Remember the rich young ruler? He came running to Jesus. Jesus says, give everything away. Give it to the poor and come follow me. And he turned away from Jesus because his possessions meant more. See, I don't know what you're clinging to or what rebellion is fulfilling you to keep you from the fullness of Christ in your life. But do you understand you're going to have to give an account to him? You're going to have to give an account one day. So when you read scripture, when you see this, let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm. For God can be trusted to keep his promise. Let us think of ways to motivate one another, of acts of love and good works, and let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now, that the day of his return is drawing near. Community. To live for Christ. To love Christ. To be in fellowship with one another. You know, Jesus even said it. He tells them to consider the cost. He tells them, you're not even to have a relationship or anything in your life that you've seen to think is more important than me. That's what Jesus says. 
mother, father, children, whoever. Don't put them before me, he says. Don't put this, don't put that, like, I'm first. And you say, oh, well, who is he to say that? He's God. He's your creator. He knows what's best for you. He knows the plans that he has for you. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope in the future. And you can say, well, hearing you doesn't seem much hope in the future. Hearing you may not seem, it doesn't seem like he, he has the best plans for me. That's because you're seeing him through your eyes. But when you see him through his eyes and you realize, wait a minute, wait a minute, you formed me. You put me together in my mother's womb. You number the hairs on my head. You completed me. And your word says that you prepared good works for me to do even before I came forth from the womb. Even though I lived many years in rebellion towards you, you still loved me. You still remembered the purpose you had for me. And now that you were pleased to reveal yourself to me through your son, Jesus, because of your love, you sent for the rebellious creation to turn to you like you'd made a way out for us. God, here I am. Show me how to live. Teach me. Because in you is life and life and abundance. You see, when you only see Jesus through your temporal eyes, you won't see the truth of him. But when your eyes are open to him, I mean, he says they're going to hate you because they hated me. I mean, we just read about Stephen. He was stoned to death. And do you remember? In the middle of all that, he looks up and sees Jesus standing at the right hand of the throne of God. And then he says, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. See, that's a believer. See, we think differently now. We're learning. That's why it's vital that you're growing If you're not growing, you're going to be deceived. Remember, the last days, there's going to be a great falling away, an apostasy. And I said before, what the the church has done good, and again, I use that term loosely, is they haven't created disciples, they created apostates. People who hold a form of religion, but deny the power of God. You have a lot of religious institutions in the earth. Claiming Christ, but not knowing Christ. And that's from the beginning. From the beginning. I mean, we're reading about King Solomon. We just read last week this beautiful prayer. We're not going to get to our scriptures walking through them this week, where God responds to his prayer, but we will pick that up next Sunday. But even King Solomon who God appointed to the throne, but God knew Solomon's heart. Solomon was all about the religious works, but he wasn't about being loyal to God. God used Solomon to bring about God's purpose, but Solomon ends up going crazy 
He was a man full of wisdom. He was, there was no one like him. And he deteriorated quickly because of his rebellion. See, there's a lot of people, don't be moved and impressed by the show they put on, or the prayers they pray, or the knowledge that they know, if it's not truly who they are. And you know, you know. And as I said last week, you, you think you're, you're pretending or you're fooling people. But in reality, the greatest deception, as I've always encouraged you, is not that you're deceiving others. It's that you're deceiving yourself. You're living in a false reality. It's, nothing is true. You've made it up. You've conjured it up. And your reality that you are in Christ, the enemy has so deceived you. You see, he's at work, you all. He's at work. But greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. And I keep encouraging you, as I did last year, and for many years now, whether you and I are in a war. spiritual war but we have the victory but do you know how many Christians live in defeat too many too many oh I've had my years and seasons of living in defeat but praise be to God I've had men and women around me who love the Lord who loved me enough to go toe-to-toe with me, who loved me enough to stand in, in, in prayer for me, who loved me enough to come, as I've shared with you about my friend Joseph years ago, and his friend Orlando, when I was in a very dark place in my life. Nothing was seeming to really work out, and I was questioning, God, why did you do this to me? What would have been your purpose to to bring me out and then to bring me to a place of utter despair? Because when I looked around me, I saw no hope. Well, it's because I took my eyes off of Christ and, and, and I placed my eyes on everything else around me. And I was doing ministry at that time. But as soon as I would get home... I would go to the room and just lay in darkness. I would encourage others. I would pour into others. But I would go and I would retreat. And the enemy was just screaming at me. It's been two times the enemy has told me, I'm going to kill you. It was right before Gil and I came back to Orlando. It was up in Athens. I was at a red light. And out of nowhere, the darkness that filled that car, the coldness, and all of a sudden I heard, I am going to kill you. And instead of responding with truth, instead of responding with who I knew Christ is and who I am in Christ, I gave in. I cowered down. 
And just weeks later, after being coming back to Orlando, my heart stops. I'm in the hospital. This guy's trying to draw my blood, and I'm telling him, like, listen, and all of a sudden, he's like, oh, man up. And all of a sudden, when that hit my vein, and I flatlined. And I remember being in that hospital bed that night, alone in that room, and it was so dark. And again, instead of standing up, instead of, 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 of taking the truth and, and using what I have been given to war against hell, I gave in even, even more to fear. And then I spiraled out of control with panic, with anxiety, with depression, like I never in my life ever experienced. Until one day I just couldn't get up out of bed. No one else was home. It was, I was in a battle for my life. And all of a sudden, there's this pounding on the door. And it was Joseph. I remember I called Gilda. I was angry at Gilda. I said, did you tell Joseph to come over here? She said, I don't know what you're talking about. Well, he's banging on the door. So I was just so angry at her because I thought, how could, what is she telling him to come over for? Well, she had no, she had no reach, she had no, she had no knowledge of Joseph showing up that day. But Joseph had been praying for me. God has already alerted Joseph for what I was going through. And all of a sudden, I began to hear this praying, loud praying. Joseph was a very loud man, very engaging in spiritual warfare. He began to walk around that house, him and his friend Orlando. And it seemed like for hours, in the middle of July's heat or June's heat, it was the middle of summer. I mean, for a very long time. And finally... I opened up the front door. <laughs> and I just collapsed in his arms. <laughs> and he was like, I got your brother. And he dragged me into the living room. And they began to pray over me. And all of a sudden, that darkness just whoo, lifted up. And it was a beautiful evening. God just did something amazing. (laughs) And he said, why are you sharing all this? Because this week I need to really encourage us, you all. Don't take for granted community. Don't take for granted what God has given us. We're to be there for each other. We're not just to be running amok, coming and going as we please. Well, when I can show up, well, when when it's all good for me... That's so selfish. Like we need each other. We're in a war. A spiritual war. And our loved ones. And our communities. That are out there. These other communities. Like they're dying and going to hell. 
or we're just sitting back complaining about our lives, giving in to our rebellion. But that's not what we should be doing. If you look at the church and, and, and you see how the church was birthed and you see the call of the church and, and you see throughout church history the beauty of the church and who we are called to be for the time that we are living in, like your purpose for today. So I don't know what you're applauding out there. I don't know what's captivating you. I don't know what's keeping you from raising a standard. Well, I don't want them to think I hate them. I, I don't want them to feel like I'm pressuring. But you don't have to. You're just living out a good life, a moral life. You're just sharing truth when, the, when you're able to engage. You're just loving others and thinking others are, are, are more important than you. You're just living like a Christian. Oh, there's going to be people who are just going to hate you. Because they hate Christ. <laughs> but to some you're going to be the fragrance of life. I got a job at First USA after I took some time off of work. After I became a Christian. And I shared this testimony before but I want to share it again because... I wasn't sure why God brought me there. But okay, God, here I am. And we were in training. And one night the, the trainer says, okay, we're going to go around the room and just tell something about yourself. And right there I said, oh, God, please. This is my prayer to God. God, please don't make me say anything. God, I don't know these people. Everyone's telling something. <laughs> And then it's your turn, Rob. And so I shared with what God has done in my life. And I'm kind of in this new season in my life. And, you know, I'm just loving Jesus, you know. And the whole room, everyone says, like, who is that man? So then it was time for break. And I remember I went to the cafeteria and I was like, oh, I feel like I'm back in high school. Like, where? I'm not going to sit with anyone. I'm like, all right. So I, you know, I remember grabbing my tray and I go all the way to the end. I mean, I go all the way to the back of the cafeteria and I sit. And then all of a sudden, people started walking towards me. And I said, oh, Lord, Jesus, please. And they were like, do you mind if we sit here? We got some questions for you. And these people were so engaging. They weren't Christians, but they were so like, we never heard anyone talk like that before. So anyways, I became known as the preacher man. And so these people, each day, you know, I mean, there were some loose women in there, you know. And, and, and they would be like, well, if you ever go out on the streets to, you know, to do your ministry thing, we want to go with you. And I would say, oh, okay. Um, you know, and, and they were so... Encouraged and, and they were so encouraging to me. They weren't believers, but they were edifying what God was doing in my life. And they would always ask me to go out with them. Oh, we just want to hang out with you. Why don't you come with us? Oh, no, I'm sorry. You know, I wasn't judging them. I didn't have to say anything to them about their lives. And then, then, it, then it even started where they had like a, a pool room where you shoot pool and darts and different things. 
And then these group of people would be, hey, you know what, Rob, before we go out to the clubs, you know, we just want to hang, would you just hang with us? Can we go shoot, shoot, shoot pool? Can, can we just go down and play darts? They were asking me, and so I was like, okay. So I became, I became really good friends with these people. And all along, I'm like, but God, what am I doing here? I mean, I would pray as I was going through the hallways. I would pray as I was passing people's desks. Not loud, just praying underneath my breath. You know, getting to know them. And then it was time to meet the vice president over the region. He was bringing everyone into their office by groups. So my little group goes. <laughs> he asked everyone, oh, tell me a little bit about yourself. And they all started laughing. And he was like, why, why would that be funny? They were like, we want him to go first. <laughs> and I was like, oh, gracious. And he looked at me and he was like, well, what is this about? And I was like, oh. So, all I could do was tell him about what Jesus has done in my life. And that man just sat there and just stared at me. Then the others shared and then we left. And then a few days later, his secretary comes down to the floor where we were working. And everyone was like, and so she said to me, he would like to meet with you on your break. And everyone was like, oh, wow. And I'm like, oh, Jesus, okay, this is it. <laughs> but then he looked at me when I met with him. He's like, you know, I'm so motivated. He goes, I'm a believer. I was so motivated and so encouraged by you just being so open and just, just being so bold. He was like, we can't do it on company's time. But would you mind meeting me outside? before your shift, like 30 minutes, maybe 30, 45 minutes, show up early. And can we just pray outside together? And I was like, what? He said, there's a lot of hurting people in our business, in our company. They're going through a lot of hard times. Let's just go and let's just pray for them. So him and I would, I would meet him out there and we would pray. And as people were either leaving shifts or coming in, all of a sudden, our little... Circle of two began to be circle of five, a circle of ten. And you would hear, pray for me. Pray for my mom. Pray for my, pray this, pray that. And about three weeks later, he calls me into his office and he says, I'm leaving everything, Rob. Because I was called to ministry years ago. But I ran from God. And then God brought you along in my life. And I told my wife, we both repented. We're leaving it all and we're just going back out into the mission field. Oh, what a glorious day. We rejoiced. And then within two weeks, I knew my time was up because I got another offer and I left that company. And he said, why do you share all that? Because you see how God orders your steps. See, your life is not about your, your, your doing any longer. It's about Jesus, you all. You don't know how the Lord is going to use you to impact a life that the enemy is trying to keep down. And I want to share this quote with you today. I posted it too, but I want you to hear this. 
And then I just have a few scriptures I want to encourage you in. Because we are in a war. And I, and I can't say it enough. Because again, I don't know what you're doing when you leave here. You see, we all come in and we all hear and we all can respond some way, somehow. And that's all nice and, 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 and neat. But, but if you're not carrying it out there with you, then it, it really meant nothing. You see, you have to get to a place in your Christian life where your roots are getting down deep. Like you recognize, wait a minute, I can't do this on my own. Jesus, I need you. Jesus, I need you. I need the Holy Spirit whom you've given me to empower me to live this new life. I need the community in which you've given me so that I can remain encouraged and edified and built up for the days that are ahead. Because there is an all-out war. And again, every world system, everything that we're seeing happening throughout the earth, it's all here. The church has never experienced it. The church just had a knowledge of it. But now, it's all in front of us. The one world system. The one world government. The one world religion. The one world um, money. Everything is going there and it's going there fast. Such a great rebellion. Such a loveless society. Darkness, as I keep saying, is no longer hiding. As we just finished our Friday night series, we kept hearing delusion. There's a great delusion out there. People are believing the most craziest things now. And did you see Calvin Klein's new ad? The pregnant man? And again, we don't hate them, but we better wake up and say, Oh God. Is anyone standing for truth? Oh, there's a lot of people throughout the earth that are. But you have got to get to an understanding. Like, it is an all-out war. The return of Christ is so evident, you can't even deny it anymore. I mean, even unbelievers are saying something's happening. Like, this is weird. Like, what's happening in the world? I mean, people are so open to have spiritual conversations. I hope to God you're having them with them. Not beating them down, not being... But know how to share the gospel. And you say, well, I don't know. Well, you never learn if you're not here. Or if you're not engaging. Like, you should be out there. I mean, the youth today, I couldn't imagine being a child today and what they have to endure. And then we just want to bring them to church so the church can feed them pizza at a youth service? Most parents are just dropping off their children so they can have a break from them in hopes that the pastor raises them up. (laughs) Listen, you ought to be on your face and your knees (laughs) daily praying for the youth in your lives. But what I hear mostly out of people who claim to be Christians is they're constantly blech over them. <laughs> Speaking, I mean, just the most craziest stuff over their lives of, these, of the youth. Unloving towards them. 
demanding that God do something with them. And God says, I did. I put them, I put you in their lives. <laughs> now go be my hands and feet. See, see, God has entrusted them to us. And we're to raise them up, not tear them down. We're to allow them to know truly who God is and how great He is. What do you think that all through the Old Testament, all in church history, the vital role that the children had and the importance of sharing and teaching that they hear over and over and over so that they're being equipped and prepared to be able to stand. This is, we have to engage in this. We just don't show up and then go out there and show off. No, we have to be engaging. I mean, there's an all-out deceptive deception out there. The spirit of deception has been released. And it's rising up. I mean, you can't, again, you can't make some of this stuff up that you're hearing out there. How did we get to be a nation without baby food on the shelf? How did we get to where we're at overnight? And it's not about Republican or Democrat. But the reality is, is that we have turned into a nation who has turned against God. And yet we're to be a Christian nation. And how sad. How sad. But all of this, all of this is not taking God by surprise. In every generation and in every nation, God has a people set apart for his purpose. That's why we're not in despair. That's why when I see all of this, I go, oh God. It brings me to my knees. And I say, Not on my watch, God. Help me, Lord, to be able to stand. Help me to see with your eyes. Empower me to pray. Empower me to serve. Empower me to love. Empower me to be bold with witness. You know, I serve in a ministry. That has been infected with craziness. And there may be a time when Gilda and I are asked to leave. But it's not just happening in this ministry. It's happening in many ministries. And in many churches. You know, I told you a few months ago when I had to send an email... Voicing my concern on the direction that they're going. Knowing good and well, if I'm released from there, then my, our livelihood is disrupted because no secular company is going to hire me. No ministry that's not grounded in the word is going to hire me. So before I hit sent, I had to process all this and say, but God, you'll take care of me. You'll take care of us. See, 
You have to stand for truth. This is the age in which we're living now. See, you can't just go along with everything and anyone any longer. You've got to love them enough to say, oh, wait a minute. Because, here's the quote, if Satan can talk angels out of heaven, he can talk you into hell. Be mindful of the voices you listen to. Go to John 10.10. 10. Scriptures that I hope would encourage you all this week to go meditate and to study and say, God, how am I to live? And if you're not a Christian, then oh, how I pray that you would come to Christ. That today would be the day of salvation. That you would give your life to Christ. That you would recognize that you are in rebellion towards God's throne. And you would say, God, the only way out is through Christ. I'm a sinner. I'm in rebellion towards you. And God, I need you. This free gift of salvation. As I said earlier, that night when I was sitting in that church and that minister was preaching the gospel, I was angered at first because the gospel ought to make you angry if you're unsaved because it's striking you to the core of your rebellious nature. It should make you feel uncomfortable. It should make you want to push back against it. But then as you keep hearing, and you keep hearing the love of God, and the provision through Christ to set you free, you can't help but say, Oh God, I need you. You see, I ran from God as we all have before we come to Him. But when you see Him for who He is, you go, And you love me? You took all that for me? Oh God, I believe that you are the Son of God and that you rose from the dead. I'm yours. Not by my works, but all through what Christ has done. John 10, verse 10. Jesus' words. The thief's purpose is to steal and kill, and to destroy. My purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. It's the thief's purpose. There's no mincing of words here. Jesus exposes the enemy from the beginning to the end. He's exposed. Remember, he looked at the Pharisees and the Sadducees, these religious men of the day, and he says, your father's the devil. You travel far to win converts, but you make them twice as much the son of hell as you are. Jesus, these are the religious men. But Jesus knew their hearts. I mean, do you understand? These men did all the rituals. They did everything. They knew everything, all the law. And yet, they were, the, they were tools of Satan. They were children of Satan running the church. Jesus exposes it. He tells us all through the New Testament, be mindful of who's, who's running the church. Oh, the enemy don't mind you going to church. In fact, he'll preach the word to you. 
but start believing it. And you become a threat to the kingdom of darkness. Go to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 3 through 4. If the good news we preach is hidden behind the veil, it is hidden only from people who are perishing. Satan, who is the god of this world, has blinded the minds of those who don't believe. They are unable to see the glorious light of the good news. They don't understand this message about the glory of Christ, who is the exact likeness of God. This is what we're up against. But again, it's not to give him greater power. That's why I say to a lot of Christians, oh, stop giving the enemy greater power. Yes, we expose him. Yes, we recognize, oh, he does have some authority. And he he is leading millions and billions astray. (laughs) But he's not greater than our God. You know, I was talking to Gilda yesterday. I said, there's over a billion people in China. I don't know if you know that. A billion. And yet they're held down and oppressed by a minority of people. I said, if those people knew the freedom that they could have, and those billion people rose up and took what is rightly theirs, the freedom... It would be done. And so it is throughout the earth. These governments, these institutions who try to rule over people. Enslave people. Turn people against each other. Just to oppress them. It's all wickedness. It's all vile. It's it's just, it's the enemy and... And right before our eyes, and we can see, he's the enemy. He comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But if free people would just stand up. Man, the difference. But that shows you the power that evil has in this world. I mean, for goodness sakes. But yet, the church... Jesus prays to God. He says, don't take them out of the world, but protect them by the name you gave me. We're here for a purpose, you all. We're here to be the light. We're here to to stand and, and to be on watch and to engage in warfare. To go forth and learn what it means to take ground for the kingdom of God. Not pointing to ourselves. I mean, when the disciples came back to Jesus and they were so excited about, oh, even the demons had to submit. And Jesus is like, hey, wait a minute. (laughs) Don't rejoice in that. Don't rejoice that your name is written down in the Lamb's book of life. That's what you rejoice in. Don't make it about you. Don't turn it into something that it's not supposed to be. Oh, but there's a way in which you're called to live. 
Go to 2 Corinthians chapter 11. Verse 14 through 15. But I'm not surprised even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. So it is no wonder that his servants also disguise themselves as servants as righteous, of righteousness. Do you understand what you're up against? And you just want to come to church. <laughs> just go to church. And that's not what it's about at all. Are you a Christian? Do you have a hunger and a thirst for righteousness? Do you have a desire to see other people come to Christ? Do you have a desire to see his kingdom advance? Are you working diligently while it's still day and while it's still light, as the Bible says, until he returns, preparing for his arrival? I mean, this is how we're to be living. We're not to be living under the demonic influence in this, what's going on in churches today that they can't stand up for truth. They're, they're cowering down to everything and anything. You better be on alert. Go to 1 John 5. 1 John 5, verse 18 through 19. We know that God's children do not make a practice of sinning. For God's Son holds them securely, and the evil one cannot touch them. Verse 19. We know that we are children of God, and that the world around us is under the control of the evil one. You see, nothing is going to change, no matter how many protests people have, The world is on the path to the return of Christ. All of this is happening to usher him in. And oh, we better be ready and we better be prepared. You better know that you know that you know who he is. Listen to those scriptures there. Have you ever seen them? Have you ever read them? Have they ever impacted your life? We know that God's children do not make it a practice of sinning. For God's Son holds them securely. And you say, but pastor, I sin. And I say, repent. It's a weird way of of, of looking at Scripture. You know, 1 John says, I write to you so that you will not sin. But if you do, remember, you have an advocate, Jesus You see, sin is not what's supposed to be the characteristic of our lives. No, righteousness is. Because the power of sin has been broken. Sin and death no longer have power over a believer. Doesn't mean that you won't sin, but when you do, you don't feel comfortable in it. You go, oh God. It's like we talked about. The, the, the Holy Spirit gives you that conviction. And you go, oh. And it's not like a flipping, like, oh, I'm sorry. 
Because that's a worldly sin. I mean, worldly repentance, and it means nothing. But a true, genuine repentance, if you really want to know, if you're truly genuine, if you, you say, oh, God, what am I doing here? Oh, God, I'm sorry. It's genuine. It's like, oh. But it's not that weird game that we play and people play where it's like you beat yourself up over and over and over and over again. The Bible says that a righteous man falls seven times, seven times, but he gets back up. Just get up and live. Remember, you're still in the flesh. The flesh and the spirit, they're warring against each other. But greater is he that is in you. See, you remind yourself, that's why I say to you, if you're not preaching the gospel to yourself every morning, then I don't know what you're doing. You better preach the gospel to yourself every day until you take your last breath. Because in and of myself, I'm rebellious. I'll be the first to rebel against him. That's why I have to tell myself, you're a dead man. Dead men have no rights. So don't you go in this day demanding no, you go this day and you serve. And during the day, if I fall down, if I act ugly, if I whatever, I'm not going to stay down. I'm not going to play the shame, blame game. Oh, I'm a bad Christian. No, you just recognize. And you say, God, I'm sorry. And instantly, boom, you get up and you keep moving. And then in your sin, if you've offended or hurt others, make sure you tell them you're sorry. Because you can tell God, I'm sorry all day long. But if you truly meant it, if it's true repentance, you would understand what it means to be reconciled, not just to God, but to others around you. Go to Ephesians. Chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10 through 18. A final word. Be strong in the Lord and the power of his and in his mighty power. Put on, put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all strategies of the devil. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in heavenly places. Therefore, put on every piece of God's armor, so you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then after the battle, you will, be, you will still be standing firm. Stand your ground putting on the belt of truth and the body armor of God's righteousness. For shoes, put on the peace that comes from the good news so that you will be fully prepared. In addition to all of these, hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil. Put on salvation as your helmet and take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And pray in the Spirit at all times and on every occasion. Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers. For all believers everywhere. The dress for battle. You have the dress for battle. 
And again, we're not waging war against the uh, uh, people. We're not waging war in the flesh. No, this is a spiritual war. And that's how you engage with it. But not of yourself, but Christ in you and through you. Go to 2 Thessalonians chapter 3. 2 Thessalonians chapter 3. Verse 3. But the Lord is faithful. He will strengthen you and guard you from the evil one. Oh, be encouraged in that. 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Verse 4 and 5. We use God's mighty weapons, not worldly weapons, to knock down the strongholds of human reasoning and to destroy false arguments. We destroy every proud obstacle that keeps people from knowing God. We capture their rebellious thoughts and teach them to obey Christ. Think about that. Whose weapons do we use? God's. To tear down strongholds. There's a way in which we're called to live and called to think. Remember, what does the Bible say? How is he transforming us? By changing the way we think. What is a stronghold? The Bible tells us don't give the enemy a foothold because if you give him just a little bit of your thought life, he's going to develop a stronghold. And that stronghold is a pattern of thinking that you begin to believe that is opposite of the truth of God's word. But if if strongholds are established in your life, then take the weapons you've been given, learn how to use what Christ has given you to demolish them. I mean, the first few years of my life until I take my last breath, but the, the level that was so intense the first few years to tear down all of this junk that was established, it's not easy. Oh, but it's so worth it. Because you, you, you're not going to remain a victim. You realize through Christ you're a victor. you got a whole different way of seeing things. And you're not going to settle for lies and deception any longer. Because you hunger for truth. You hunger for Christ. 1 Peter chapter 5. First Peter chapter 5, verse 8 and 9. Stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. Stand firm against him and be strong in your faith. Go to James 4.7. So humble yourself before God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. 
There's a lot of people ex- exhausting themselves because they're trying to do everything to resist the enemy. To resist the desires of the flesh. To resist the world system and its influence. But they missed the first step of this scripture. Humble yourself before God. Then resist the enemy. And listen to that promise there. He has to flee. He has to flee. You could take God on his word. You humble yourself before God. See, that's just your life now. It's just what you're learning to do each and every single day. Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1, verse 13 and 14. Just a few more, and then I'm wrapping up. Colossians chapter 1, verse 13 through 14. For he has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness. Who is he? Jesus. And transformed us and transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son, who purchased our freedom. And forgave us our sins. This is what God has done for us. He has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of His dear Son, who purchased our freedom and forgave us our sins. Go to Romans chapter 13. I know it's a lot of scripture, but oh, I hope, I hope you pray when Carrie posts the notes, you take them back and you get them tucked away in your heart. You understand how to apply them because in the book of James, it encourages us not just to be hearers, but to be doers of these words. So listen to Romans 13, verse 11 through 14. This is all the most urgent for you know how late it is. Time is running out. Wake up, for our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. This was written by Paul to the church in Rome in their days. Christ's return was evident appearing then. Do you know how much greater it is now in our day? So this is all the most urgent. For you know how late it is. Time is running out. Wake up for our salvation is nearer now than we first believed. The night is almost gone. The day of salvation will soon be here. So remove, and he's talking to the church. So remove your dark deeds like dirty clothes and put on the shining armor of right living. Because we belong to the day. We must live decent lives for all to see. Don't participate. Again, he's talking to the church. Don't participate in the darkness of wild parties and drunkenness or in sexual promiscuity and immoral living or in quarreling and jealousy. Instead, clothe yourself with the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ and don't let yourself think about ways 
to indulge your evil desires. And the church should say, Amen! And the days and age in which we're living, when we look at the, the church, the institutional church, and the brouhaha that's going on in there, and how people are living and just doing and doing and doing and doing. And yet the Word of God tells us, stop it. <laughs> Live decent lives. Live moral lives. <laughs> Go to John 16, verse 33. John 16, verse 33. Jesus' words. I have told you all of this so that you may have peace in me. Here on the earth, you will have many trials and sorrows. But take heart, because I have overcome the world. I have told you this so that you may have peace in me. Remember, I keep telling you, in Christ, we are whole. We're not the broken individuals anymore from our past. We're not that, that, that creature that was back here that was in complete rebellion and wounded. We could choose to be, but why would we? And I, and I keep telling you, I know we all have a sad story. I'm not being rude when I say I, I, I don't want to hear it. I just want to encourage you to start knowing his story because it's going to change your life. You see, if all I did was run amok in my head, everything that happened to me, everything, this, 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 and that, then that's all I'll live out of is that woundedness and that brokenness and out of that bitterness and out of all that junk. But when I realize, but Christ, is my all in all. I'm a new creation. And the more I get to know him, oh, the healing and the freedom in which I have, I can get up each day with purpose and say, okay, God. And let me tell you, I have some rough days. I have, some, have had some crazy things happen to me that wanted to knock me down and take me out. But I say, God, get me back up. Help me to fix my eyes on you. Help me to live for you. I want that satisfying life. Not that my circumstances and everything, poof, everything is better. No, no, no. I just want to be satisfied. I want to be content even in the midst of it all. Because you're enough for me. Like Jesus. Only Jesus, you all. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13. The temptations in your life are no different from what others experience. As God And God is faithful. He will not allow the temptations to be more than you can stand. When you are tempted... He will show you a way out so that you can endure. See, temptation is not the, the sin. But bite into it, and sin is birth. And the Bible tells us, oh, I wish I had another four hours with you all. The Bible tells us 
Where does sin come from? From the desires that are from within. See, y'all got to get to know Jesus. He gives us. This is the manual to life. Why do you think you're not in it as much as you should have? Because the devil wants to deceive you. But you start making Christ a priority. You start getting in the word of God. You start seeking. You start asking. God, I always said, if you're lacking something in your Christian life, ask for it. He's showing you you're lacking so that you would ask. Like, God, I'm, I'm lacking in knowledge. God, I'm lacking in application. God, show me. Like, he makes a way out of every temptation. So when you bite into and you give into it, don't blame who just walked in front of you that led you to go to bed with them. (laughs) Don't blame when the car pulls out in front of you and you lose your mind. (laughs) Don't blame a... It's you. And when we start realizing it, do you realize how you wake up to the reality? It's like, oh, I see how this all is playing out. Oh, but I'm not, I'm not, I'm not playing your game, devil. I'm not going to be in, in, enslaved to the world system. And flesh, oh, no, no, no. I know you. And you're nailed to his cross. And I'm free in Christ. But bite into it, that's sin. And you ought to repent. But temptation isn't the sin. And listen, let's not make this, and I know it's the lovely word to use, it's a struggle. It's only a struggle because you allow it to be. You allow it to be. See, we, when you have the assurance that God, you say you'll make a way, you'll make a way out of every temptation. And God, where is it? God, I'm sensing, I, I feel, but God, you say you make a way out. You're greater than this. Oh no, I'm getting out and I'm moving on. So you just gotta, you gotta engage. You, you gotta understand what truth is. Go to Galatians chapter 6. And I got one more after this. Then we're done. Galatians chapter 6, verse 14. As for me, may I never boast about anything except the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. Because of that cross, my interest in this world has been crucified. And the world's interest in me has also died. So we just heard about the flesh, the temptations of the flesh. And now I've given you a scripture that gives you the hope that the world systems have no power over you. You're not to be lured and drawn and captivated by it. Because listen to this scripture. As for me, may I never boast about anything except the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. Because of that cross, my interest, my interest 
in this world has been crucified. And the world's interest in me has also died. I mean, that's, those are incredible verses. The freedom that you have in Christ, you all. Oh, I wish, I wish that you, you would be excited about it. The freedom, and then you wouldn't just trade it so easily during the days and the hours that you'll face this upcoming week. But you would treasure it, that you would guard it, that you would say, God, you were pleased to get this to me. Oh, God, like I would value it. And then I would know, like, oh, yeah, God, I see it. I see clearly now. I see differently now. Like, God, it's all coming together according to your plan and to your purpose. I don't need to fear let the world go the way it's going. Just give me a heart to pray and to love and to serve them. Last scripture, Colossians chapter 2. Colossians 2, verse 13 through 15. You were dead because of your sins and because your sinful nature was not yet cut away. That's the nature you're born into, you all. Then God, who? God, made you alive with Christ. For He forgave all your sins. He canceled the record of these charges against us and took it away by nailing it to the cross. And this way, oh God, if you hear anything today, hear this good news. In this way, He, God, Jesus, disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities. He shamed them publicly by his victory over them on the cross. See, this is the God we are to go forth and to tell others about. This is the God who we should be sharing with the youth of today so that they would know their God. And they would know how great he is. How he is a God of love, a God of mercy. That he's a God who is real and who is alive. He's not a made-up story. Well, believe in him if you want to. Oh, no! He's God, and he is good. Again, it's not God against us. It's us against God. We're the created. Before we come to him through Christ, we're in rebellion towards him. But listen, when you talk to people out there about God... Oh, they have all these accusations against him. They have all these things to throw at him. Because they don't know him. And those who know him should be living for him because we're his people and we should be making him known. Because he's great. He's all-binding. He's all-powerful. And yes, his wrath is coming. 
But there's a way out. And His name is Jesus because of God's great love for us. He's made a way. He's made a way. You can demand your right to live however you want. That's your choice. I don't hate people for choosing how they want to live. They have a right. I once demanded my right to live how I wanted. But when Christ sets you free, you're freed. And you can't help but share that freedom with others. I want us to hear today, in closing, a few testimonies. And say, but why do we spend all this time today? Because I don't know what this week is going to have for you. Or for me. Or for the earth. Things are changing rapidly. Quickly. You know, people in Ukraine went to bed one night. (laughs) And woke up the next day and everything's in turmoil. People in America went to bed one night and didn't have to worry about if their baby food was going to be on the shelves. And now mothers are struggling to figure out how to feed their babies. Like things are changing and they're changing rapidly. So I know it's not the, you know, the, the way to do it. You can't keep people sitting for hours preaching the word I just don't want to have a form. I don't want to rush you in and rush you out. Like I've got just a, a short window of time with each of you on a Sunday to give you truth. And oh, how I pray you hear it. I want you to hear these testimonies. They hit me with wooden batoons, kicked me, slapped me, and punched me. Matkami said, who was attacked in his tribal village in eastern India for being a follower of Jesus. The attackers went on to destroy the home of the three Christian families who had to flee as they got ready for Easter Sunday services. They also ruined all of their stocks of food. These families were unable to return to their village for fear of their safety. Gate. An elderly grandmother in Laos gave her life to Christ after a Christian evangelist visited her home. Her 15-year-old granddaughter, Niall, also chose to follow Jesus. After hearing about their convictions, Gates' family told her to change her mind or they would not support them anymore. She refused. So they stopped giving them food and help. Niall is now trying to earn money to meet their needs. Yesterday, which was Thursday, in northern Nigeria, a young Christian woman was murdered by her Muslim classmates. It was claimed by the attackers that she had posted blasphemous language on a WhatsApp chat. The school security did not not stop the violent mob from beating her to death. After she was killed, the Muslim students set her body on fire. Deborah, who attends an ECWA church and resides with her parents in Sokoto, according to International Christian Concerns contacts, apparently got into an argument with her female classmates after sending a WhatsApp message her classmates interpreted as blasphemous. 
A video of Deborah being beaten went viral on local social media channels and has been reviewed by ICC staffers on the ground and analyzed and analysis overseas. The video shows her lying still on the ground with her bloody left arm attempting to cover her head as male and female students gathered around, beating her with sticks, throwing large stones and shouting, Allahu Akbar. She pleaded with her classmates not to kill her. This is a terrible tragedy and highlights the persecution Christians face in modern times. These are what our brothers and sisters are enduring. You see, when they come to Christ, it's not just a flippant like, okay, yeah, I'll accept Christ. They consider the cost. They knew it would cost them everything. And so I don't know about the Western church why we think that it's different for us. I guess because we don't, we don't have the threat of our livelihood being disrupted. But that threat's here now. And it's increasing rapidly. And so I want to share these scriptures with you. I want to encourage you that, listen, it's so much more than just a little prayer that you prayed. It's a lifestyle because it's who who you're becoming. So you're not perfected until you're with him. See, it's not about perfectionism. It's not about, oh, I have to do everything. I got to do everything. Oh, I can't do that. I can't do that. God, don't do that to yourself. That's the flesh. See, there's a way in which you can learn how to live in trueness form of Christianity. But you must be discipled. If not, you're going to fall into the traps of the enemy who's going to try to discourage you, try to, to, to lure you out from the newness of life because he wants you to die. But listen, y'all, there's great hope. There's great hope. You know, Jesus calls us. He calls us to die to ourselves so that we may fully embrace life in him. See, the call of a Christian, man, it's beautiful. It is absolutely beautiful. And I wouldn't have traded it. And I won't trade it. I pray God would encourage us all today to stand up and live as he's called us to die to ourselves, to pick up our cross and to follow him. I'm going to close this with this last song and then I'll close us in prayer.